Welcome to the part four of The Lion, the Leader, and the Sage. I encourage you to listen to all three of The Lion, the Leader, and the Sage, you know, parts one through three, before you catch up with part four. It'll give you a lot to think about as this story continues on. What have you been feeling over the past few months in the year of 2020? Do you feel that you always make the most perfect decisions? And if you already know that, no, of course I don't always make the perfect decisions, but I make the best decisions that I can. The other day, there was a man. Now, this isn't the story, but I want to tell you this beforehand, before we get into it. The other day, there was a man who made a couple of mistakes. See, these were genuine mistakes. He wanted to do everything perfectly, but the circumstances and what was going on during that time period just caused him to make mistakes. And remember, we are all human, so we're not perfect. And so he made mistakes. He felt bad about those mistakes. You can tell by the way he kept expressing himself within the period of five minutes. I don't know how many times he must have said, oh, I I thought I had it, or I thought I did this, or, or that. And so what the man who he was talking to, who was in charge of making sure everything was, you know, okay, had told him, yeah, you know, these things happen and uh, let's just fix it. And then the other person said, thank you, basically, you know, in all his expressions, but he also said, yeah, um, you know, we're we're a team and we should just, you know, learn from them, don't we? Yeah, that's the that's the important thing that long as you know we can learn from it. And he also expressed how it gave a feeling almost like you can make as many mistakes as you want to, you see, you see. Uh just uh, make sure that you know, uh you know we're all in this together. And then he said, right. And so the man who was actually, you know, um, tasked with making sure that everything was still okay, said, yes, except but when it involves hurting other people. You see, all right. So, That is just something for you to think over because you know what the man said who actually made the mistake before he left, he ended up saying, you're right. All right. Now, in the line, the leader and the sage part four, I want you to keep in mind that You heard me said before that some of my audio books are meant to be in series and they normally would end, uh, you know, after uh, maybe four to 18. Well, this one 
is actually designed to be ongoing. All right. And so this story that I'm going to relate to you today. No, it is not in a written form or anything um, yet. The theme is what it is. But when it would be written down, you see, in an audiobook layout type format, uh, there would be a lot of difference. But I want to really uh, place emphasis on this is one of those audiobooks that's designed to go on forever, forever, if you will. And when I think about this uh, story, it still, once again, takes me back to why I do enjoy stories uh, so much. And it has something to do with my upbringing, you see. Uh, we had uh, relatives and especially my father, you know, which is no longer, you know, around, uh, has fallen asleep in death, as they say. He had many, many stories. Um, he had some very uh, funny stories at times, <laughs> a lot of times. And he also had some very, very serious, deeply moving stories at the same time. Now, with that being said, I still want to share with you that this part four, even though I call it an original of mine, it does not mean that it is not a culmination of everything that I've listened to in stories from growing up and also experience. All right. Okay. So we will conclude this series, The Lion, the Leader, and the Sage with part four. There is also a animation video along with this. If you want to ever uh, just show it in the classroom or what have you, you see, just, you know, like I've done with other podcasts in the past. So let us begin. There was a leader and he was of a tribe, if you would, or brotherhood, if you will, that was very proud. Now, when I use the word proud, you have listened to this author describe it before as being in a way of proud of the good you have and the good you are able to attain and also show or share with others. So if you have the ability to make somebody else's life better, it can make you feel pretty good inside. No one would deny that. For certainty, this tribe, this brotherhood that I'm about to share more information on, they knew that and they took it very serious. Yes, they took it so serious that 
they actually had, they one, they grew their hair long. It was curly. It was beautiful. Uh, many of them even had their nicely groomed beards as well, too. So you can imagine looking at a person like that and them being very strong, uh, capable of many physical feats. It's almost like when you saw them, you were looking at a lion. And guess what? They knew it and they were proud of it. See, they had special skills and gifts, you see. And one of their gifts was to be able to defend against the jackals and the hyenas that would come into their land or attempt to come into their land. You see, through their gifts and their skills and their training, make no mistake about it, the jackals and the hyenas knew never to attack them directly, wouldn't dare try it. Now, think about this for a moment. The lions, if you want to call this brotherhood, they were proud in what they were able to do for themselves and in the good that they could do for others. And no one could argue with them otherwise. There was another group, a tribe, a brotherhood. And they were what you would consider leaders. You could just imagine the way that they carried themselves. Uh, even the way they dressed with monograms and things where, you know, they took, again, a very uh, modest level of pride, so to speak, in the way that they helped others. They weren't so uh, verbose in talking about it <laughs> as the lion tribe was, but you could tell they felt good about it all the same. And one thing about the uh, tribe that produced a lot of leaders, a lot. See, unlike the lion tribe, they had many capable persons of defending and teaching others how to defend themselves and to just, you know, once again, handle the toughness of the land because I didn't even describe the land to you yet. Uh, the land that they were in had some snow, had some harsh weather, for, you know, from time to time. But they also had uh, on the edges uh, spring-like weather as well. Well, when it came to this tribe that produced a lot of leaders that was uh, their land was like connected to them. You see, it was just totally green. It was beautiful. And it was what people may consider just optimal conditions all year round. All right. And, and, and that land actually had the most people in it, <laughs> you see. Uh, the lion tribe, oh, it was mostly only of, hey, if you want to learn how to deal with the harshness of the land, hey, <laughs> that's where you went. Well, once again, the leader's countenance, uh, their demeanor, the way that they 
uh, uh, dealt with their citizens, you see, uh, was such in a balanced way that you can just imagine, you see, why they had the majority of the people wanting to be in that land, also with the very nice conditions. Now, there was another land that was connected, you know, almost like a pyramid, if you will, where all the lands could connect with, you know, hills and valleys. In this one land, it wasn't as many people in it, okay? They were just known as mostly quiet folk, if you will. But in that land, they had uh, one person. See, remember, unlike the lion domain, so to speak, of the tribe, there were many lions, but really one main lion leader. Then in the land of the leaders, there were really quite a few that were overheads of, you know, different groups of people and things of that nature. They just got along real good and worked along real good. Now, in this other land that I'm now describing, it was a more of a wooded land, if you, you know, if you will, still good for growing things, you see, still good for growing things. And there were a lot of hills with uh, secluded spots. So unlike in the land of leadership where you could just look out your door and always see almost like a neighbor that you could have a nice meal wood and, and chat and things of that nature. This other land, again, the people were not known for one particular particular tribe or land or name really at all but they were known whenever they crossed paths you know through the valleys where persons were traveling for different reasons for for buying selling or trading or what have you even with one another uh because you know it was like a main hub still right in that middle that when people say yeah you know i'm of this tribe the the lion brotherhood or i'm Oh, with the leadership uh, brotherhood, mostly these persons in this land that I'm telling you about now, when persons heard or saw them, they just knew, oh, they are in the sages land. See, there was one man, many wise persons, but still one man, one person known as the sages land. They just called it that. In addition to this, the persons in the sages land, they didn't see him that often. They didn't uh, talk that often uh, to him. But they felt good being around that area just the same. And if something came up real, real serious, there were times, you see, at least maybe only a couple of times a month that they saw him walking through, you see, the land. 
Now, keep this in mind. Even as the many years went by, because there always seemed to be the same sage for about decades and decades and decades of time. And then all of a sudden, somehow another one would spring up, you see, still in that land area. So I want you to keep that in mind. Now, getting back to the help. Now that you actually have the layout of how the land looked from the sages land to the leadership land, which had the majority of the people and then the lions, you can imagine that, uh, as mentioned earlier, there was a situation that would come up from time to time dealing with the jackals and the hyenas that were actually outside that land. And boy, they would always be on the outskirts. And as I mentioned before, it was like they stayed away, <laughs> basically, from the Lion Brotherhood tribe, basically, okay? But they were always trying to nibble or pick off somebody from the leadership tribe in that area. Now, it didn't mean that they didn't attack, you know, the sages land, but often between the woods and the secluded areas and just how those persons had an intellect for uh, not only defense because they could defend themselves, but they were very good. If you want to call quality of defense was hiding from the hyenas and jackals. So it was just too much work for them, you know, but in the leadership land, that open green area, that beautiful place. Oh, it was such an abundance of people there that that's where they mostly stayed on the edges on and hoping to grab somebody or to do a quick raiding party or what have you and try to go into uh, beyond the borders. Now, with this knowledge, out of all three of these tribes, if you will, who do you think did the most defending? Huh. I bet you already figured it out. Yes, it was the lion tribe. Who do you think did the most organizing? And preparation, whether it was for food and commerce and things of that nature. Hmm. You may say the sage trap, and yes, they certainly had the same abilities. But here's another question. Who had the most people in the land? Yes, now you're going right back to the leadership trap. So, the sage's land were known mostly for where a lot of the art and creativeness was going on at constantly. And so when they would come out of the wooded areas <laughs> and secluded areas and meet at the hub of the uh, lands, oh, they had so many things, wonderful things to share on the market and things of that nature. Well, in order to keep this, once again, nice uh, working relationship, remember I told you, in the hub, 
there was this beautiful meeting place. I mean, it had everything, uh, plenty of food around it, water uh, on the edges of the different uh, of the of the different um, locations, north, south, east, east and west. There was always somewhere where you could end up. Okay, going out and a few feet later, either eating and drinking and and having association and enjoying your company with everybody. Well, in this area, the lion tribe, the leader of the lion tribe, let's just call him the lion. Oh, he he was there all the time. So was the leader and different leaders, you see, because remember I told you that land just had so many that they will all meet, uh, whether it was nine or 10 of them, so to speak, and still sometimes just talk to that one lion leader as they, you know, made their different plans. Mostly there was an arrangement, you see, that uh, the sage would also come to that hub a couple of times a month. Now, the lion and the leaders, they would be there four o'clock, <laughs> five o'clock in the morning. If we can use the time that we use to describe how they met. And the lion would sometimes get to talking and he would actually just roar. Why isn't he here? He know this is the day that we're here and this and that. And so the other leader would just try to keep him calm and say, well, you know, there's not a definite time. We just say we meet here on this day. But he knows we meet here early in the morning, you see. And there would be a time normally close to noon, actually, lunchtime. When almost every time the sage would come in, now the way that he was dressed, his hair was not as long, you see, as the lion, or not as short as the leader's, but it was neatly groomed all the same, with also um, dignity, you see, around. And he moved like he had a universal time in every step. And boy, did that just make the lion upset at times. But <laughs> he knew, as mostly, <sighs> as the leader would say, we still gain a lot of value from what he tells us about these different things. And because look at the situation we got now. See, what had happened is, you heard me talk about the hyenas and the jackals. The defenses were starting to be worn down over the years where it was making it easier for the jackals to actually, sad to say, pick off some of the people in that land. Now, they were not necessarily able to grab the leaders, you know, in that land, which, hey, sometimes they even caught some of them. But in general, the people that were in that land 
did not have the capabilities or the abilities, period, to defend themselves the way that the lions were able to do it in that tribe. Or even the ability to hide themselves like the people who were in the sages land. So the leader was really wanting to find some way to get the security back set up. Here was the lion's ideal. You just give me so and so many of your people and I'll turn them like us. And the leader said, remember, we, we tried that before. <laughs> and remember what happened? I mean, some of them are still recovering from the broken bones that they got. Oh, and not even the emotional duress. What type of training are you putting them through over there? You see, in general, some of these persons, if you wanted to describe the personality, it was like sheep. See, a, a sheep as you really look at, they're just beautiful creatures meant to just be beautiful and to just give their loving wool to others to keep them happy and warm. That is their purpose. And the leaders, oh, how much they appreciated them for it. You see, if you wanted to describe these Person's personalities who the jackals and the hyenas were always trying to sit and take off. And so no matter how much the lion wanted to keep trying to take them and make them into, <laughs> you see, the, the the part of the lion tribe and send them back, uh, it, it just wasn't working. He would roar and, and, and sometimes the lion would get so in his pontificating where we can do this and we can do that. And the leader would be like, yes, I know you can do this, but I'm sorry. <laughs> it doesn't seem to work for us here. And the lion would say, well, it needs to work, you know. And what would happen uh, during that time? And all this would happen in the morning time. So by the time the sage gets there, at this point in time, sometimes the leader is just a little bit too through anyway, and is glad to see when the sage walks in. All right. So the lion wanted what I already described in it. People that he can continue to try to turn into lions that just, you know, wasn't going to work, but he, he didn't believe that. So in a way they sat down together and the sage Ask, what are we going to talk about today? And the lion went on the roar. Why are you here at this time? And I had to tell you. Now I got to tell you. Uh, that, that's fine. <laughs> that's what the sage said. <laughs> you know. And the leadership group, uh, they just sat there and, and they just were, you know, taking it all in what was going on. So the situation was told because the lion was roaring a little bit too much there. And so one of the leaders uh, told the sage what was happening and how they wanted to build their defenses. And uh, they didn't know about 
you know, how to go about doing it because the lion really did want to take some of, you know, his people out of the land and try to train them again, which we saw that, that didn't work. So anyway, what ended up happening is the sage said, he started talking and he said, you know, there was a caterpillar. And then the lion started roaring, don't you go there. I know where you're going. Uh, no, here it is. Let me tell you what you're about to say. And so the sage said, okay, tell me what I'm about to say. He said, you're about to talk about how a caterpillar can actually, you know, meta go through a metamorphosis and turn into a butterfly. And then, hey, look, it, and they can do anything that they want to. So you're telling me that just give these persons time and they'll be where uh, I need them to be as like lion warriors or something like that. And so the sage said, oh, that's a good thought uh, that you have there. And I, and I see exactly what you're talking about and I see the way you even applied it. And you're right. That does happen, especially when you're taking persons in your tribe, your brotherhood, that's already strong and and through some of the most uh, toughest terrain that happens to them all the time. And you should be commended for that and proud of that. Rawr, the lion went, yes, and we are. He said, but. Here is something that I would like to share about the caterpillar. Is it okay? Can I go ahead and, and share it? We have about maybe 20 more minutes before, you know, we can go and eat. But can I share this with you? And the lion said, you know, he was feeling pretty good then about, <laughs> yeah, that's right. We're, the, we're some good trainers here. They said, go ahead. I, I won't say anything else. Uh. Uh, bring me my brew, you know, my gruel or what have you. And so uh, they brought him something to drink and, and something just to nibble on, uh, you know. And so the sage started again. He said, there was a caterpillar. And the caterpillar certainly got all the nourishments it needed during the months where he just ate all day long. So he knew that he had everything that he needed before he started, what, spinning his cocoon around him. Now, when this caterpillar was in the cocoon, again, on this one tree, you know, affixed solidly there, it was getting close for it to actually, you know, metamorphosis into a butterfly. And so while it was inside that cocoon, the wings and everything were just, you know, having the blood and the veins pumping just right. So for that day of birth, he would be able to what? Actually break out and then share its beauty and light to the world. 
And the lion said, that's right. That's right. He said, but in this case, there was a inexperienced a child. And there was really two of them. Both, of course, inexperienced. But one knew well enough to leave the cocoon alone. While another child saw it and was just very, very curious. And so he went and he looked at the cocoon. And the other child said, no, uh, uh, just, just, just leave it alone. Uh, uh, from what uh, mama told me, the butterfly is supposed to come out by himself because if he, if he, if he doesn't, you know, then his wings won't pump enough blood and he won't get strong enough and he won't ever be able to fly. So please don't open it up. Don't, um, uh, leave the butterfly alone. Leave the <laughs> cocoon alone. And so what happened is the other boy said, oh, I, I'm not going to open it up. I'm going to make the butterfly even stronger. So he took the cocoon and he held it tightly in his hands. Very tight. Oh, not only did he do that, but he said, no, I really want to make this mother butterfly very strong. He took plastic and wrapped it around the cocoon. Even took some tape to tape one side of the plastic. Because he wanted that butterfly to be very strong when it came out. See, I'm helping it. When it came time for that butterfly to come out of that cocoon, do you think it was able to? What happened? The heavy-handedness of that one child caused the butterfly to be trapped in that condition all the same. In that condition all the same. Where it didn't you know, come out the cocoon. Then, what happened? After overexertion, the boy tried to open up the cocoon after about a day or so. But, it was too late. It was silence. The lion said, what do you suggest we do to help the jackals or stop the jackals from entering this land of the leadership? He said, or asked him, how fast from what you found in your experience can you get to the front lines of the leadership? Oh, we can get there pretty fast. It's just that we're not that fast enough to always stop them from catching at least one or two persons and taking them off. Well, how much time 
do you need? Where we seem to always be just a moment or two late. And so the sage said, why don't you do this? I noticed that the borders need rebuilding. Why don't you help, and the leaders can do this in this area, you can tell them to help cut down some walls, you see, cut down some wood, and you can reinforce, again, the gates uh, that they have there. So, if the jackals and the hyenas come again, do you think you'll be able to get there in time to protect them? Now, these type of conversations go on all the time between different persons who have different abilities, everyone. I mean, you have people who do have the aptitude to be, you know, leaders and show leadership skills, yet there are different personalities that still fit with certain situations. And that's the way it is designed, you see. Uh, even though we are supposed to treat everyone, you know, with the dignity and respect, of course, not everyone is capable of doing the same type of work with our different skills, you see, which are all needed in our abilities. We don't uh, look down on one who may be known, hey, this person is good with growing flowers and this person is good with sharing their wool of love. If we ever lose the appreciation for what some persons are able to do or not do, then the heavy-handedness of whatever we may be able to do that others around us are able to do may and can and has crushed others and it wasn't because they were weak. They were just designed differently with the gifts that they have. Let them have their gifts. Let them enjoy their gifts. Let them share their God-given quality of life that was given to them and never may it be so that they are looked down upon because they may not be of the lion tribe or the leadership tribe or in the sage's land. Take care. You have just listened to the Perceptive Readers Podcast 
remember until next time, if you read something that encourages you to improve or enhance your life for the better, it becomes your reality. <music>